Good afternoon, good evening, happy 2023. I don't know how we've gotten 23 years past that nightmare we called uh, Y2K, but hey, here we are in January, <laughs> recording on the uh, 5th uh, Thursday, so this will go live on next Tuesday as a podcast. James, we survived it's, another, uh, another yeah, turn I'm of the uh, clock. I know. Happy New Year to that. I think, uh, you know, we're it's all in your imagination. Nothing past Y2K is real. <laughs> we're just we're just in this weird matrixy thing right now. <laughs> well, it's, we, we, what is it? We're in the metaverse, right? That's the, that's we're right. Yeah, that's living a... in the metaverse now. If that's the case, I wish I had a better avatar. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> All right. For those of you not watching on live stream, our guest today is the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, but also known as Mr. Larry Whiteside. How are you, sir? How are you doing? I am wonderful and blessed every day, my friend. You know, it's uh, it, it's been a actually a pretty good couple of years. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't complain. Uh, hey, tell us what you're up to now. You know, so I'm up to a lot, right? Um, the biggest change has been I, I've I've jumped out of corporate America and I uh, started with this one what? wonderful organization. Yeah, it's it's you know that was a long road and it took a lot to get me to where I'm at, right? And I've been on that fence of jumping out of corporate America, staying in, so forth in the CISO role, um, and I got an opportunity, right? That's that for me, um, all the stars sort of aligned. You know, I prayed about it because you know me, faith face first. And so I joined this company called RegScale. And um, and it's been amazing. It's been a very fun, amazing journey to join a company that's that's got a great culture, that's that's actually got you know what I call a product I believe in and isn't putting lipstick on go. a pig like we see a lot, you know, in our industry. Um, so it's been a very, very fun journey. It's only been a few months at this point. But uh, I, I'm super, super excited and stoked about what the possibilities are, what we're going to be able to accomplish. Well, I love hearing that. So uh, I wanted you on to to help us usher in 20. This is our 13th season, by the way. This is kind of crazy. Technically, it's our 13th year in in, uh, in business. This is nuts. But um, look, I, I can't I can't say this with a straight face, but every year feels like it's going to be the year things get better and every year we end up at this conversation the next year. Um, so I want, so I just decided to title this episode like, Hey, maybe next year won't, maybe this year won't suck. Like maybe that's the thing about this year is that maybe it won't suck. Um, or, or maybe it'll just keep being like every other year. But l- l- we did the, we did a year and kind of year in review with uh, Tuma on the previous pod uh, we had some fun with that, determined that, you know, 
in 22, things actually didn't get as crazy bad as it did at the end of 21. Like we didn't have the major, major, major catastrophes. Can we, I know one isn't a trend, but can we start one? Can 23 not be as bad as 22? You think Larry? So maybe, <laughs> <That's an answer. laughs> right? Um, here's here's the reality of this situation. I go into every new year as it relates to our field specifically with this, right? This this just shoulder shrug of I don't know, uh, and and I love to think that we can always trend and always say. Well, based on certain things, and I do think there's some things just because of the advancement of technology, the sprawl of data that will likely happen because of those components. But at the end of the day, as an industry and me having been in this for almost 30 years at this point, there are some basic things that we still struggle with. There's some basic things that we still don't do well. There's some basic things that we still haven't gotten right. And so with that, it's like, eh, does that, is it going to change? Is it going to get better? Right. You know, and, and you can go from, from, you know, we, we call it the, the, you know, security one-on-one, the basics, getting the basics, right. You can go to hiring and getting talent in, right. Having a pipeline of people to come in, right. Like there's so many different components that we still as an industry struggle with mightily, um, that and then add on top of that the changes that are happening in the industry more regulations more things that we have to do the attackers getting fat, uh, smarter faster the attackers have just as many resources as we like there's so many things that make me go into the next year like eh, i hope i pray like like <laughs> you know I think the I think the net of it is uh, I don't expect to be out of work in, in uh, out of the industry the industry to be out of work in 23 that's what I'm saying that's my prediction no, right. Right. No, that's that's um, probably the one that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, what do you what have you seen? Kind of the the biggest non. Let, let's look at this from a trending perspective. Where have you seen the trends go? L- let's start in. Let's start in uh, in the corporate world uh, where you live now, and I I'm I'm happily uh, far divorced from uh, over the years. Um, where do you see the biggest? Tr- Positive and negative trends, because uh, I've got some ideas, but I'm curious what you think. So, so the positive trends, um, and I'll, I'll 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 go into a couple of different areas, right? So, I'm I'm going to talk about at the executive level first. The positive trend is the industry outside of cyber is now pushing that cyber have a seat at the table. That is one of the most positive trends that is happening in the industry, and it's grown mightily over the last three years, right? Where everyone is saying cyber must have a seat at the table, not just at the in the corporate environment, but at the board, there needs to be somebody that understands and knows cyber, right, at a very deep level to be able to help public companies be better at cyber, right? So I think that's a huge trend. It 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 leads well to where CISOs need to be and should have been a long time ago. But it's it's on a path in the right direction, right? So I think that's a huge trend in the right direction. There's a challenge component to that though, because there's no real great training component to ensure that CISOs actually know what the hell to do when they get at the table. 
right? So, so like, yes, we want the CISOs to have a seat at the table, right? But what percentage of CISOs actually can sit at the table, have a financial, fiduciary, business level conversation and not talk ones and zeros and not talk tech speak and not talk that, right? It's So there's that gap we got to deal with. When I move that to the technology side, right? Um, there's more, there's more focus being put around identity and access management and the, the mindset around zero trust. Now, let me preface that. Zero trust is not a panacea. Zero trust is a philosophy to me, right? You, you see, hear all of these technology companies talk about we zero trust, zero trust, zero trust, zero trust. And they are all talking about their little narrow component of zero trust. For me, zero trust is a mindset of being able to create trust layers based on all sorts of different categories, right? Location, device, data set, user account, all of these different things, time, right? All these different things that you can use to create layers of trust that you want people to go through for them to do the stuff they need to do right, for their job, but basing it all based on risk to whatever that is. So I love the mindset of it. I just think that there's a lot of fake news. I hate to use that term, but, but you know, that, that component of fake news around what zero trust is because everybody's bending it to their particular piece of what they're trying to sell. Well, they got stuff to sell, right? So I, I got to tell you, though, I think the ba- the uh, the threat actors have recognized the importance of identity and access management in our industry uh, from passwords to actual, you know, uh, tokens and all that by their targets. Uh, we have uh, the, the I mean, the thing that sucked at the end of last year was the, the, the parade of bad news for IAM companies and password managers like that was. Two in Oof. particular, right? That was yeah. not good, and that it's not, it was not good. It was really, really bad. It was super um, bad. Yeah, super bad. So, I, you know, look that the the threat actors go and attack the weakest points, and I feel like as an industry, we figured out reasonably well how to uh, protect endpoints, protect uh, the network, looking for patterns and anomalies. So the, the, the next thing that you're going to, you know, that, that they moved, have moved to, and it's not a recent thing, but the evolution and, and the volume to which they've moved has changed is into identities and into past. Like if you don't have to go hack a workstation because people just give you their VPN credentials, uh, then you're just another user that can get as much data as that user can get. I mean, James in the app world, right? Like this is, it's nothing's changed there that like access is the king well and you know this is what we've seen i mean look at the breach reports over the last few years the trend has gone towards most of the breaches it went away from i mean i think sql injection still was at the top if you look at like verizons but you know where to how where do all these breaches occur it's credential stuffing it's we gained credentials over here i fished them i did whatever and i accessed in like we're like you just were saying it's no longer I'm attacking your network. Maybe that's happening in some of these other ones, but even the recent things that we saw, I guarantee it wasn't they attacked the network. 
right? I got access to your GitHub repos. It wasn't because I attacked GitHub's network. It's because I fished your credentials or, you know, I, I got a secret key or something like that to be able to get into that. Like that is the trend for how we're getting into things. It's I go right. through the front door. Right. So, I mean, look, this is a, it's an interesting place to take us in, in 23, because as we start to think about, you know, where are, where are we going as an industry within the framework of the broader market and, and the, the world events, um, it's not a, it's not a very happy outlook. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond uh, just announced today that they may have to be, uh, go for, you know, a, a file for bankruptcy because people aren't showing up to stores. Um, you know, over the holidays, uh, companies haven't had the massive sale, you know, the, the, the influx of sales that they thought they would. Uh, the economy is clearly in a, uh, well, you know, you get some, so many quarters of, of uh, uh, inflation, things slow down, right? You, you give everybody $1,000, suddenly, suddenly everything's $1,000 more expensive. Um, I, I, I can do that kind of math. So <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I feel like what, what we're, we've gotten to is, the economy, the global economic situation isn't great. Uh, Russia trying to hone in on how to dist- uh, pick apart Europe isn't great, uh, which I think foments a bunch of animosity there, right? Threat actors from all over the place in that part of the world can now hide uh, and, and and have no problems coming after us, right? So there's a whole lot of things happening at once that are pressures on us as defenders. Meanwhile, economic pressures on our employers say that they need to figure out how to do, and this is the same three things I've been saying for probably five, seven years now, reduce their costs, reduce the complexity, increase the effectiveness of their, of their technology and staffing. And cheaper, better, and faster. I feel like what's that cheaper, better, faster, yeah, cheaper, better, faster, but, but now we're like, but also safer. Right. And, and we've proven that safer, is important how <laughs> it's like but, but that's the point so so yes we say safer because this is what we do but they're just starting to think about safer now because the last three years right the starting with the pandemic the pandemic everybody going home and the threats going whoop right yeah. because companies were having to operate differently now with the threats going whoop and revenue going whoop, like they're they're in this holy shit phase of we got to figure this out, right? We've got to figure out how to ensure that we are growing as an organization, we are reducing costs, we're, we're cheaper, better, faster in a secure way, right? In a way that's going to keep our data safe, that's going to keep our employees safe, that's going right, and and keep our company viable. And so there's this balance, right? And this is. Honestly, right, it's interesting we're talking about this and we've sort of pivoted into this based on the start of our conversation. This is where automation is now starting to take over our industry. This is where our industry is starting to recognize that, listen, we have got to stop thinking that we have to have a human that does every single thing for every... I remember sitting in one pin plaza years ago when when Cisco had Protego and, and they were saying, listen, this thing will automatically, you know, put an ACL rule in place and make a rule on your firewall. And every CISO in the room was like, hell no. Like there was no way that we're gonna let, and we're talking 2010, right? So here we go, fast forward. We are looking for every way possible 
to automate everything we do because threats are coming at us faster than ever. We've got more controls, more regula- regulations, more compliance things, right? I mean, at, we've got we've got compliance, whether it's privacy, whether whatever it is that is starting to grow at such a huge rate, right? All these regulations being thrown down on people, all the threats that are happening, you can't hire enough people fast enough. You can't monitor things fast enough. Data sprawl, right? Storage is so cheap now. We keep and log everything possible, right? And then we don't have enough people. We don't have enough tools. We don't have... It is absolutely insane the direction that we continue to go. And so we automation is the thing that we are realizing finally. And we look at the SOAR community, right? Oh, that It took three years and that went, boom. Now every company is, has either acquired a SOAR or is building their own SOAR into their technology. So I, I'm... Larry, I'm going to caveat that because you are a thousand, hundred billion, jillion percent right. <laughs> I'm going to caveat that though, because automating bad process is bad automation. All right, and so here, here's where, right? So here's here's where the here's here's where this like good idea meets bad execution. Right? Okay, so <laughs> automation is absolutely the key, and this is the story of security. I think, and, and frankly, the story of IT. Um, we, we've looked at it and said, okay, fine. We acknowledge I can't hire enough people to sit at, sit at enough keyboards to watch a, uh, you know, 100 gig um, data pipe as, as it flows by. Okay, we, we can't. Fine. We understand that. Great. So let's get automation. But what we've done is in, in a lot of cases, we've swung the pendulum so far to the other side where it's like, you don't need people just buy my, my box magic thing. And it's going to find all the things you're like, no, because right. what automation is meant to do is base is, is in, in all reality, take the processes that humans do, do them faster and more efficiently. Right. So more effective, less complex. And that makes it cheaper because machines are cheaper than people. They don't take lunch breaks. They don't go on vacation. They require no benefits. Uh, until they unionize. Um, <laughs> that's why AI scares me. Uh, no, but I mean, look, and, and you end up with a really good idea because I do think that the way forward is figuring out how to automate some of these things, right? When you get an alert, the human shouldn't be going out and pulling nine different systems to try to bring that context in. That's what SOAR is for. But if you don't have those playbooks to start with, what are you automating? Nothing. You're right. automating Listen. bad. So, so that you bring up a, an actual valid point as it relates to automation because there has been a misnomer that automation just removes people. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. At the end of the day, you still need eyes on a screen. At the end of the day, people still have to. The purpose of automation is to get rid of the mundane things that need to be, right? Going out and searching through other individual disparate data sets? No. Why not let a computer do that? The, the goal is to take your viewing playbook from here right down to here. So now instead of someone right. having to spend 10 hours to look through data and climb and try and correlate, that they can now spend maybe 10 minutes, right? Because there's been a lot of back and correlation. Data has been pulled from all these disparate sources into a single point and view. And that's what it's yeah. really about is, is, is bringing this data. That, this is why I talk about data sprawl. We collect data on so much, and this is this was led by right analytics. 
the entire IT analytics movement of trying to utilize all of this data to make better business decisions, right? Basically, a lot took the entire IT market the ways to data and process and made it so cheap and expandable. So now you've got all this data. And then finally, security was like, well, shoot, we we got access. Can we get logs to all those systems that are doing these things? Can we get a piece of that data, right? So we can use yeah. it for our purposes. And so now our data has sprawled out, but we have not done a great job of trying to ensure that we are getting the, the, the a view of it, all this data in the most simplistic way that we can. And I think we're now hitting that point. Do we have a, I feel like all the time we run into this issue of security comes up. We see stuff that other industries have done for a hundred years. We ignore it and say, no, no, we're going to do this differently. I mean, you talk about automation, like you go back 20 years ago when I sat in one of my classes in school, right? We watched a video of a cement block factory. The only person in that factory was a guy sweeping the floor. Everything was automated. You know, we love like the How It's Made TV series. You know, there's people in there, but how much is automated to cover with scale? So now we get to the point where we're like, oh, we need automation. But are we experienced? Do we have the skill sets for people to do this? Because every place you go, every organization says, oh, I need to do automation. But they're figuring out automation on their own. You know, they have people in-house that are writing scripts like, oh, I'll automate this. But with no really background and saying, I actually understand automation. I understand the actual process around what we're doing versus, I think to your point, Raph, you know, automating bad practices <laughs> doesn't help. You know, do we know what we're yep. automating? I feel like we get into this spot where it's like, we say we need to do something. Nobody has real clear answers on this is the best way we should be doing this. And everybody goes out on their own. They go into their little corners. They start doing some stuff. And then, you know, eh, some of it works, some of it doesn't work. But how much do we really move the needle on doing that stuff? I think that's where we run into this risk of how many people actually know automation to be able to come in and say, I'm going to help automate your network or, you know, your your processes. And yeah. that's where it gets hairy. Yep. The new, <laughs> the new role, chief automation engineer or chief automation officer will be, uh, that's that's my prediction for 2023, the chief automation officer who needs to report directly to the board. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, be because it's January and, and um, I'm just sort of curious where things, where, um, where things will stand six months from now. Uh, what, one of the things that we see a lot, Larry, and you've got a better probably view and in, insight into this than I do, and maybe even James does, but uh, the regulatory world feels like it is trying to do the old, let's see how many things we can stick it, throw at the wall. One of them has bound to work. Uh, this can't be good for the operational side of cybersecurity, right? What is because that that feels like a permanent push and pull here? Like we say, we need to do better security. Meanwhile, we're trying to do you know we're we're manually recording uh, silly things from a compliance perspective from a regular regulation that is out of step with reality, which most regulations are before they're even you know before the the ink is even dry on the paper. How do we fix that? Because I do believe that regulation and industry guidance and stuff like that drives us all collectively forward. 
But mm-hmm. I think for every two steps we take forward, we take one back. Um, uh, to quote an old Paul Abdul song, um, okay. because we get into this, uh, because we get into this notion of like, hey, good intentions, good idea. Oh, but don't forget the regulations that are now from five years ago. How do we fix that? I don't think there's any fix for that. Here's the reality. Damn it, Every Larry. time, <laughs> yeah. So because here's the deal. There's a fortunate and unfortunate piece to it. The goal of regulations, I think we can all agree that the goal of regulations to ensure is to ensure there are some standards of how people meet certain things, right? Certain certain controls, certain needs to protect the consumer part, right? Regulations aren't meant to, right, uh, aren't. When I look at regulations, and this is my personal take on regulations, regulations aren't put in place from my perspective because people, um, they just want to make sure that they are ramping down on companies. The underlying goal of regulations is because the thinking consumer protection, right? Like, like companies can make decisions on their revenue and how they do certain things, but, but as it relates to protecting the consumer, every company isn't going to make the same decision, right? If you got company A, B, and C, right? Company A may think profit is more important and their shareholders are most important. And so they're going to make every decision based on that and how it impacts the consumers, they don't care, right? Company B is going to, is going to say, listen, our consumers drive our, drive our brand and our revenue. And so we're going to make every decision based on that. And company C is somewhere in the middle. I look at regulation as a mechanism that's supposed to, the intent should be, to ensure that we are creating some standards of what to do to protect consumers from fraud and from other other bad things that would be outside of a consumer's control as it relates to their own data and the things that they deal with, whether it's their personal data, whether it's credit card data, whatever that is, right? But what's happened is regulations have become this thing of control based on party lines and all of these other crazy things that, that people fall behind. And so whether you're big government or small government, right, it is regulations have just taken this different slant that I think just screws everything up. Because I, I think, I don't think any of us disagree that controls are bad, right? I mean, th- that controls are good, right? I think if we all thought about ISO and we all thought about NIST and we all thought about, they have an actual good value to the industry that we serve to try and give people a set of controls that they should work towards to ensure that their data and everything else is safe, not for not for them as individuals, but for their company and for their customers, right? Regulations, theoretically, are supposed to help align and make sure that that's, that's happening. But what we're doing is I think we're, we're overreaching. I think we that that sometimes these regulations are reaching really, really far. Like the SEC's new regulation, there's some good and some bad to it. There's some aspects of 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 you know not reality, <laughs> where how can a company report on a material breach within X amount of time? How like that's it's crazy, right? So some of these things that are being asked of some regulations is being made by people who don't understand the day-to-day operational component of what it takes to actually even get to that point of meeting it. And so that's that's my problem with it. That you that is exactly my problem with it. Right. Right. We we want and, and I've got a couple of friends now that are in, you know, uh present company included that are in the process of identifying ways to automate some of the ugly 
behind regulatory compliance, whether it's data gathering, whether it's whatever, right? The problem is it's still, I feel like there are two different groups of people, those that create these things that live in academic ivory towers or in, you know, uh, in, in government somewhere in some regulatory body that have not been practitioners that have not right. struggled with the realities of how to actually make it work without compromising the real job, which is protecting the, the organization, the data, um, the customer. And so with a finite amount of resources, the average you know organization can either chase compliance or they can do real security. And the one well, that, that impacts them greater is compliance. So they have to go chase that and security becomes a, a sort of unfortunate casualty. And I look at that and go, guys, that's really, you know, PG screwing this up, right? That's, well, that's not what you want. Yes. And right. So yes. And we all as an industry agree that being compliant doesn't mean being secure. Right. But here's the thing. The reason that compliance is so hard is because it is the last Mohican, for for lack of better words, right? If we remember that movie, um, of where we've not automated. If you think about where automation has happened across our industry, it's all been operational based automation. Right. But compliance is where many organizations spend a metric shit ton of time doing doing data gathering, trying to pull information, trying to get right all of these things to show that they're meeting all of these regulatory controls, whether it's SOX compliance, what you name it, they are spending hours. And in some cases, there are whole teams that they put together that right just to focus on meeting those compliance requirements because it's all manual. Right. And so for the first time now here in the last, you know, year or so, we're introducing automation into that area. And there are some companies, there are some big federal companies uh, or agencies uh, and private companies that are now starting to adopt automation in those spaces. Because the reality is that will help, you know, I'll say solve the problem of chasing down compliance and spending so much time on compliance and not on the operational needs. If there's a way to blend those two things together, then we start to hit this area of, oh, hey, we're working towards security through this, but we're enabling our compliance because we've automated this as well. And now we've got this single lens that we can look through to see, hey, are we meeting our compliance controls while we're also looking at our operational tasks? See, that's, that's, that removes- that's the utopia. Yeah, but the, does that remove though? Like the ability, uh, and this is a good thing, the ability for compliance checks to be kind of fudged. You know, I mean, when it's a manual task, I can go out there and say, oh, yeah, I got evidence of that. That looks and that good. Happens a ton. And yes, it does, because now you're pulling in real data. You're pulling in real live data right now, right? And, and it's like, okay, well, how do you fudge something based on the data that's right. being pulled from these systems? You click a button and generate a report. This is a real report based on data that's actually live in you know your your systems of record. Right. You now. can't now just create this thing that you give to an auditor and say, "Hey, see, right?" Because we all know that happens right. a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah, we've been there. We've well, that's there. the thing, right? I mean, you look at, you look at vendor questionnaires, you look at all that stuff, right? Like, oh, do you, you know do you do secure code review? That. 
And they look over and they're like, Johnny, you uh, you know security, right? And he's like, a little. Yep, we do secure code review, right? And it, it, right. you check it off and it's done versus having a control that's actually in place, it's automated, you know, that is validating that somehow. Right. I guess the question there becomes, you know, how do you go through all of the different audit requirements and identify like, okay, how can we codify these, you know, into a, a technical control to be able to see, I can put this sensor here and, and be able to validate that, yes, we're right. doing that. Right. Guys, I, I want to, uh, since we're, we're getting, uh, getting that closer to that time, I want to end the, as our kind of last topic here on an in, sort of a analysis of what's happening at the moment. Look, um, I have had an incredible amount of friends in the last two weeks uh, text or whatever, message me in some way that there are a, and this is something you can see in the industry, there are a significant amount of rifts, layoffs, and corporate downsizing affecting the cyber market. And I'm going to go out on a, on a slightly controversial limb here and say, while it's really terrible, like this is a terrible time of year to lose your job and, and lose your job is always awful, right? Let's, let's, let's be clear. It, it sucks. Been the victim of it at least once in my career. It sucks hellaciously. However, if you are a company that has been a good steward of your cash flow and your, and your uh, revenue, uh, you've had good leadership. I think this is a time when good companies get better and bad companies go under. Thoughts? Yeah. So um, I'm going to say this. Uh, I think some of this is a shell game, right? Um, and I say that because I I can I won't name them, but I've watched at least probably six companies do layoffs of, you know, six to 11%. And then literally the beginning of the next quarter, because that was the end of their fiscal, right? Then hi have a hiring frenzy, right? So, so I, you know, for me, from what I've seen, I think some of this is a shell game where they're playing with the numbers so that their actual revenue, right? And in these different quarters as they're doing reporting, Align to certain things that they needed to align to. That's my perspective mm -hmm. because that's what I've seen. I dug into that a little bit and I was like, wait, really? So, and I saw it with six very distinct companies. So, so um, math. Now, yeah, right. <laughs> math. Now, do, do, this is unprecedented for us as an industry. We haven't really seen significant layoffs in our industry. And so I think on the corporate side where it's happening, um, it is, there was a little bit of FOMO where we had organizations that probably hired too much, right? You know, every CISO thinks they sh should have 200 people. <laughs> so let's just be very clear about this. Every CISO on the planet tends to think that they are understaffed for what it is they need to accomplish. Now, there are a number of reasons behind that, right? It could be because they don't have the technology they, that they need. They don't have all, right? So there's different ways, and and are most of them likely understaffed? Yes, but not to the percentage that they likely think, right? And so with that, I think there's this balance of, A, we've bought so much technology in cyber over the years because we've been buying the lipstick on a pig and falling for, you know, the old rabbit in the tailpipe trick, um, uh, and 
you know, we've staffed up a lot and we haven't found that balance of making sure we're getting the right technologies that integrate well together. And I'm not saying go buy a product that's got all the stuff, but I'm saying when you buy a technology, ensure that you are buying a technology that's going to solve a problem and integrate into the stack that you already have to ensure that you've got to have cohesive capability. And then when you marry that to the team that you have, ensure that you've got the right team size, structure, and scope to align to the technologies to then support your overall business. And those those things have to all be married together. And I think a lot of times we do these things in silos. Oh, we, 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 we had this one problem that we had this one incident. So we go buy new technology to deal with some sort of incident yep. that we had. Yep, yep, right? yep, yep. And then we need experts who understand this. And, then, and so it just becomes this panacea where we are have these stovepipe things right. Right. And I think you see too, I mean, even in AppSec, you know, I mean, you go out and look like how many AppSec people should you have per number of developers, you know, and it's some, oh, you should have, you know, one per every 20 developer, you know, and so organizations start to try to, to feed into this stuff, you know, even though that might not make sense for what you are doing within your organization. I remember years ago, there was, I had a CISO that, you know, I mean, he uh, all the time be like, oh, yeah, I'll take 30 new people. But what would you do with them? Well, I don't know, but I'd find something, right. you know, like right. it, it's always that I'll take more people. I'll take more people. But what are you doing with the people? You know, we don't build on running efficient systems. We build on running large systems and we yeah. keep doing things uh, manual yes. versus being able to you know, actually look at, look, I'm, I'm going to run slim. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this stuff out instead of just keep throwing people, keep throwing people, keep throwing people. I, Rav, I don't I know. Like I mean, I see cybersecurity people getting let go, but I mean, all these ones that we're seeing, I mean, I just saw two come across today for big layoffs. I mean, all the people that I see posting about losing jobs, very rare, actually, are they cyber people? Like I see a ton of developers. I see creative people, marketing people, like everybody's being yeah. affected by this. I don't see it as a, cyber's letting a bunch of people go now maybe organizations are letting a ton of people go because we're paying cyber people so much that we can't afford to uh have other people in the organization i don't know i mean that <laughs> that's an interesting posture all right that's yeah. I'm, gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the the final thought here uh give us the uh give us the thoughts of thoughts from larry's brain for 2023 go yeah so so for me for 2023 right um Regulations are going to grow. Um, we're still going to struggle with diversity and creating pipeline for people to get into the industry. Uh, as an industry, we've got to start looking outside of where we have historically. So English majors, music majors are not bad, right? Outside of college, people like we've got to start looking in different areas to try and find people to start feel, because there's still a talent gap. I don't care what anybody says. There's still a huge, huge, huge talent gap as it relates to people, enough people coming into the open jobs that exist, right? And we know most of the open jobs are at the lower level, so we've got to do a, a lot there. Um, the cloud is here, uh, but but um, I think we've got to really wrap our heads around what the cloud means for our business and security, right? Um, you know, the cloud's ability to be spin up, spin down, and, and security having no visibility into it, like we've got to get our arms around that. That's, I think that's going to continue to be an area of risk. Um, I think CISOs have got to get 
very tuned in to the other component of the cloud, not just the technology piece, but the actual the, the actual financial components of the cloud and understanding that. Uh, because that actually, if you get in and understand the financial components of what your cloud infrastructure looks like, it'll help you understand where risks lie. Um, so th there's a lot, I, I could go on for <laughs> so many things, but um, I'm just, I'm excited for 2023. I look at every year as as a new thing. Third party risk is going to continue to be a huge thing. I use the term you lie with you lie with dogs, you get fleas. And so people need to make sure that they are um, you know, holding their partners accountable um, to things. And you're starting to see in the federal space the CMMC, CMMC uh, um, you know, sort of yeah, it's tough. Very, very tough, right? And it's different levels, but it's a component of something that's needed to happen for a while. I mean, if we go back to the target breach and the HVAC company and, and how that happened and the POS being on the same network, like there are just some basic things that if, if we thought through them and we looked more broadly, that we could um, be better for our organizations, right? So there's a lot, but I tell everybody this, at the end of the day, whatever company you're working for, know your business well. Right. As a security person who is a technologist at the end of the day, know your business well and know what matters to your business. Right. What drives revenue and then use that as the as, as the mechanism to go find out what are the things that you should be focusing on from a protection standpoint, because it's not what everybody else does. And a lot of times we get caught up in the what everybody else does. Um, and so instead of focusing on know your business. And then let that be the umbrella that goes out and helps you decide everything else. I like it, James. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everything Larry said was great. Um, you know, I would add on to that kind of a different little twist of I think the collaboration and embedding inside of teams outside of just security, you know, where security. I mean, we've been saying this for years, right? Security is a silo. We can't work like that. But, you know, I mean, I look at it from an AppSec perspective. The more we're seeing AppSec become sort of product sec. And, you know, the more we're embedding into teams, the more we're getting developers to handle things, QA to handle things like we're starting to kind of merge in with the people that are actually doing stuff that I think is going to start making a bigger change. And I mean, I think even on top of that, one of the things we need to see is more like developer job postings, stuff like that, where it actually has something security related in there that when we start hiring developers, they have this some sort of security experience with that. We just assume that you go to an organization, the security team will teach you what you need to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like at, at some point there has to be a responsibility. Like I'm already required to know object-oriented programming. I have to know agile. I have to know this. You know what? I don't want you if you don't actually have some sort of basic security concepts around secure development. I think that's where we're going to start seeing a lot more change. Uh, and, and honestly, I think that's going to have a big uh, impact on what we see from at least a secure development standpoint. I will add to that a couple of things. One, from the leadership perspective, um, I think the recognition that it doesn't matter how many people you add to the to, to the keyboards and screens, you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get utopia. You're not going to get the answer you want by automating crap. So you know the point of automation from earlier. We automation is the way forward. Um, AI and magic, um, you know, no, but algorithms certainly help. Uh, but you can't automate crap because you get crap on the other side. 
So there's that. And and I think as uh, look from a talent perspective, just to give a quick plug to the Alliance, right? Security Advisor Alliance is out there educating and bringing uh, cybersecurity interest and talent and skill um, coaching and, and that kind of thing uh, to kids that are kids, right? Not, not, not young adults, not, uh, not people in their career, but the kids, which is functionally where it can really foster and grow. So I'm super, super excited to continue that work. And then if you guys, you know, if you're out there listening, you're like, what is that? Go look it up. Security Advisor Alliance, give it a shot. There's a, there's a bunch of things you can get involved in. Um, I think ultimately we figure out how to take these three things that I've been harping on, how to cut costs, how to cut uh, the the crazy complexity that most of our businesses deal with and then how to increase effectiveness by tweaking certain things throughout our security programs to create a better mix of who we hire, who we partner with and what we buy and what we build in house. Those are the, those are like the magic things, right? So, uh, you know, I still see lots of people out there going like, Hey, I got to build this great sock. I'm at this new company. You're like, but you recognize that that is not, it's a fool's errand at this point, right? There's, uh, you know, the, the amount of companies that should have their own 365, 24 by seven sock gets smaller every day because the kind of talent you need, odds are about 80% of you can't hire that talent to the level that you need and tools aren't going to solve the problem for you. So you know, this is where the managed providers, the MDRs are doing a phenomenal job. And I think they're going to carry the industry forward. So I don't know. I'll be, I'll, I'll say, I'll be hopeful. Um, let's hope things go well. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll echo what you said and say, and, and I'll say automate <laughs> where it makes sense. Right. And I want to give a plug to Cyversity, right? You guys are familiar with Cyversity, but uh, yeah, we, we are trying to increase diversity in this field. So, um, you know, if you go to cyversity.org, um, if you are not a, a mentee or a mentor, right, I think everybody, I, I've been in this field almost 30 years. I have a mentor. I have a group of mentors still, and I have a number of mentees. Yep. I think it's important for everybody in our industry to either be learning from somebody um, or teaching someone, giving back, right? Um, yep. Get out and, and do it. It's wildly important. Get out and do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, off into 23 we go. Larry, thanks for joining us on the first real podcast of 2023. Let's, you know, here's a, here's to having a good one, uh, getting actual uh, rest and family time and, uh, you know, happy hunting out there. All right, man. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Always good All right. to chat. All right, folks, those of you that uh, caught this live, thanks for joining us. We are on LinkedIn, down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Find us there. We live stream as many of these as we can, and uh, we, we appreciate uh, the uh, handful, growing handful of you that uh, that joins us live. Uh, otherwise, this is available. Uh, you're probably listening to this in the pod uh, as a regular episode. So until next time, where we catch you another time, another place on another down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Ciao, y'all. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. 
So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.